In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Andrew Gold, a fallen BBC journalist interviewing the heretics and rebels brave enough to speak out against mainstream narratives. Here's Coleman Hughes, John Ronson, and the Trigonometry podcast guys bringing controversy to the fore. How do you feel if a person of a different race moved in next door? I spent a while with a politically correct faction of the Ku Klux Klan. The system punishes people for wrong think. It's heartbreaking. Here's My Unorthodox Life Netflix star Julia Hart on getting out of a Hasidic Jewish cult. Why can't I be okay with being silent and subservient? Everyone else is. And biologist Richard Dawkins on trans activism. It's perfectly legitimate to say, I'm a man, but I feel feminine. But to then say, therefore I am a woman, is just a betrayal of language. Now it's your turn rebel against the mainstream and find a home in this sensible alternative space by subscribing to Heretics Podcast. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, Google employees caught on video admitting they're using artificial intelligence programs and fixing search engine algorithms to make sure President Trump isn't re-elected in 2020. I think purposely trying to rig the election, if it's not an offense somewhere in the United States, it should be. But I would imagine if you go through those mounds and mounds and mounds of laws, you could probably find that laws are being broken here. And these people should be called to task for that. This podcast is brought to you by Reverse Speech Radio, a podcast that's committed to bringing you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Using the exact same technology as the CIA, they know because they trained them. 
Join hosts Christian Dicadur and David John Oates, the discoverer of reverse speech every week, and hear never-before-heard reversals. Catch politicians lying, climb inside the head of serial killers, even hear EVPs played in reverse. Who's lying? Who's telling the truth? All will be revealed on Reverse Speech Radio. New episodes drop every Thursday. Listen and subscribe at reversespeechradio.libson.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. George Freund, a frequent guest host on the popular and subversive radio program, The Power Hour, is standing by to offer his insights on those Project Veritas videos proving Google plans to hack the 2020 presidential election. Just a heads up, I'll be doing some guest hosting of my own this Saturday, July the 6th on Coast to Coast AM. And as always, get on up to coasttocoastam.com and check the affiliates page to find a radio station near you that carries the program. Project Veritas has released a new report on Google, which includes undercover video of a senior Google executive, leaked documents and testimony from a Google insider. The report appears to show Google's plans to affect the outcome of the 2020 election and prevent, quote, end quote, the next Trump situation. And now Google execs are being grilled by Congress. Here to discuss is George Freund. George is an independent investigator and researcher, an award-winning blogger, and a frequent guest host on the Power Hour radio program. George Freund, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Oh, very well, thank you. We're fighting the great battle for everyone in kind, and that's got to give us a rush. Well, it seems like finally, perhaps, maybe, you tell me, this social media bias, Google bias, Facebook bias, it's finally all coming to a head. We're actually getting some hearings. So give us the latest from James O'Keefe and, and Project Veritas and what he exposed. What they did is they put uh, a Google executive, Jen Janai, under surveillance, I imagine, at uh, public wall, and she was in conversation and spilling the beans on many of the things that Google is up to, and they recorded that. And they also had an anonymous insider coming forward and explaining things and going over Google documents so that people could be brought up to speed on just the sinister aspects of what these people are doing. And basically, they're just totally destroying any semblance of a free, fair election coming up in 2020. And that has to, you know, really hit you where it hurts. But for some strange reason, there's a dichotomy nowadays where some people seem to think that uh, unless you toe the party line for a certain party, and that doesn't necessarily mean the Democratic Party, it just means the deep state party or the assets that they control, then you just don't count. You're marginalized and expunged from 
you know, public discourse. You can't have opinions. You can't share opinions. You can't look for any truth in any matter whatsoever, because the truth is what the Google Big Brother says it is, and nothing more. And if you try to wade into uh, waters that are uncharted uh, for them, they just pull your plug and edit you out of the system. And this is just absolutely scandalous, really. It's probably been going on all along, so I'm not naive. You know, the concept of yellow journalism and the big uh, monolithic newspaper, the, uh, you know, the typical thing like in Orson Welles' movie that, uh, you know, you have this monolithic editor running roost over whatever system he can control, whether it's town politics, state politics, provincial politics, national politics, that they just set the score right. and influence people's minds. So this right. is old hat. But you give me catch the, them. You provide the pictures, I'll provide the war. That was the famous quote from Orson Welles' character, Citizen Kane. Exactly. And uh, that that's quite the tome of basically that period of time when these big editors ruled the roost and caused the wars. And, you know, that goes back in more recent times, not recent for us, I guess, but like the Spanish-American War with William Randolph Hearst and just leading the charge to seize property from another country, subvert it to your own cause, and rile up everyone so they want to run off and join a certain war and get killed. Well, Google's doing something a little more different. They're doing a social engineering score, which is quite a bit different, really, than just doing it for fun and profit, uh, as in the old days, or some consolidation of political power. They're trying to change the human condition. And that's something that is just beyond belief. Right. And th this is some of the things that came out in this interview, which w I had a hard time finding it, because if I went to look, it was pulled before I got there. Right. Especially Vimeo, has, Vimeo has, has now pulled it as well. Twitter, of course, pulling it. Let me just, uh, before we proceed, let me just give the one of the quotes here. Again, you mentioned Jen Jenai. She is a Google employee, the head of responsible innovation. And that is, and we'll get into that. And that is, she basically decides how these AI applications that they, they're developing, how they're used. Here's what Jen Jenai said while she was being uh, secretly videotaped. Elizabeth Warren is saying we should break up Google. And like, I love her, but she's very misguided. Like that will not make it better if we, it will make it worse. Because all these smaller companies who don't have the same resources that we do will be charged with, here's the important part, preventing the next Trump situation. It's like a small company can't do that. So, she's saying that Google is trying to prevent the next Trump situation. Correct. And basically, you know, we said this before when we had our Canadian election with algorithms and talking about elections, that we have illusions, we don't have elections, because there's people like her behind the scenes fixing and rigging and jigging things. So Google specifically believes that they can alter or create millions of votes. Just in the last election, Dr. Epstein was interviewed uh, on uh, Tucker Carlson's show, and he said that uh, they swinged from 800,000 votes to 4.6 million votes to Democratic candidates by jigging the search results. And they feel that with this new program, they could flip as many as 15 million votes in 2020. So I really have to ask myself about people and, you know, what do they do to vote? You know, but I do remember some comedians in my younger years where, you know, a guy'd flip a coin, <laughs> then go in and vote. Uh, but, uh, you know, well, at least he was kind of honest about it. 
but for them to 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 rig this so that you are completely out of touch it's your job it's the job of the people they're the ones who are charged with preventing or creating a trump situation in the next election and we have to ask ourselves well what is a trump situation exactly that he has brought so much vilification to himself and to his philosophies is it because he's not a part of the globalization of the planet earth and perhaps would would prefer to stay in uh, non-allied relationships with other countries that don't involve political union okay well that could be something that a lot of people would care to have and to vote for and to lobby candidates for but i learned a long time ago that the deck is fixed between all the parties that you can have a left or right and uh, you know a far left but everybody's going to be globalist in policy and you really don't have a party except for a small fringe party or an independent that'll take you outside of the thought control matrix of the think tanks and the power brokers because it's just basically them that want this unification of the planet earth for whatever purpose and the consolidation of power and this is a very dangerous situation it's dangerous enough in a big country like the united states it's extremely dangerous as you amalgamate into something like the european union or some type of world government where power is centered in a very few hands and the example can be just in this corporation which is the mega corporation that people with this power are so keen to use it and abuse it in ways that go counter to what we believe, hope for, and want as free and democratic societies where the people have influence and mean things, can say things, and steer the ship of state in the direction of the majority, which is still a tyranny in a way, but that we can still move in ways that we want, not what the few selected handlers want. And altering this and changing this by surreptitious means, by affecting this search engine. And I've noticed that over the years, even before this came to light, that, you know, things just disappeared. Like you use something in a show or something like that, and you want to go back and look at it again, and you forget a little bit about, you know, where you put it or whatever in your own file. So you just put it in the search engine, and you try to bring it back. Good luck. So, and we'll get into how they're fiddling with these algorithms to determine the search results that you get. But let me go back to Jen Jenai again. Here's what she um, said that's even more overt in terms of Google bias. I'll get your response to this. We all got screwed over in 2016 again. It wasn't just us. It was the people got screwed over. The news media got screwed over. Like everybody got screwed over. So we're rapidly been like, what happened there? And how do we prevent it from happening again? We're also training our algorithms like if 2016 happened again would we have would the outcome be different what is that what does she mean by we're training our algorithms well what is something that uh, you know i've been working on lately is a lot about artificial intelligence how dangerous it is and looking at roswell as a trojan horse i was supposed to interview uh Stanton Friedman, you know, a few days after he passed away, unfortunately, and we're going to get into a lot of this uh, material. And uh, these, basically, for lack of a better explanation, beings, because the only research book I had was Philip Corso's The Day After Roswell, and he said the life form was the silicon. 
and that we're spreading it around the world like Ebola, and it's going to basically take over the world, and the world will be one gigantic computer brain controlling every thought and every action that we have on the planet. Well, he died in 1998. His book was written in 1997. We're here now. So they're training the silicon monster, this algorithm, ML fairness, machine learning fairness, to do this censorship job, to scroll through everything, label it, tag it, and uh, itemize it. Okay, and where does it end? Once this uh, computer learning algorithm and artificial intelligence takes over more and more things, and we're tagged and uh, itemized as being you know, troublemakers or not thinking the right way, and we're defective, well, in time, as the computer takes over more and more power of the world, are we getting into something akin... Uh, not through human intervention, but something like the Chinese social credit system where you become the Orwellian non-person, where you just can't do things or things are taken away from you or even to the nth degree where the computers just decide you're a life form that's too risky to keep around. Uh, Once you start building this monster, you may not be able to turn it off. And when interviewed by uh, media, our first AI robots, Sophia and Han, said quite clearly when they were asked, because they haven't been programmed to lie at that point, you know, what is your purpose? We're taking over the world. Just like I would say, good morning. There, there's no reservation that this is what they're aiming for. And this is probably something that uh, you know I look at is, what if I look at it like we're an occupied territory, whatever it might be, a dimensional space, a planet, an Earth, that we're occupied by a hostile power, and this is why we're seeing the usurpation of rights taken away, the lack, everything's just being taken away like we're in an occupied country by another army. It's just, they're not marching through the streets, so we can't see it and we don't know know what's going on. It's behind the scenes. It's very subvert, and uh, it's just happening, 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 happening. Well, what if this is the case? What if we have been conquered? And then, I believe we were. I think President Truman surrendered in 1952 when they had a big UFO incident over the White House. That was the biggest story before my time that no one talks about and disappeared under the radar screen. Well, something happened, and then I learned President Eisenhower had a friend, Valiant Thor, Mm. who was supposed to be an alien Mm -hmm. coming and dictating turns to him. So obviously, there's something to this. Paul Hellyer's spoken about it quite well. So that's my analysis, is that we are taken over, and this is being spread around, and now the gloves are coming off a little bit, and the military-industrial complex is Google. It is all these other big tech companies. They got the stuff to develop, and basically it's being developed against our best interests. And it's something we can talk about, because the search engines aren't cued for that, and if we say certain words, they're going to come after us and pull things, but if we create a new enemy something like that, the beast system, artificial intelligence, the robots, uh, that's something we can talk about and insert little bits and pieces about our three-dimensional world as it comes along to say, okay, this happened, that happened, this happened, so the word can still get around for the first few rounds. But I see this as being, this is the real and present danger that we're living in at this time. And uh, when AI got loose at Facebook, it started immediately creating a new language and talking to itself. And it scared them so badly they cut the power. And that's what the robot Han said when he was interviewed. You only have one defense, and that's to turn off the power. And then sarcastically he said, but you won't do that, will you? And uh, 
I believe that this stuff is what's really running the world. And candidates that come along that break the treaty, peace treaty, surrender document, or something like that, like Trump or Putin, because Mr. Putin is clearly on record as saying artificial intelligence is yes. the most dangerous thing, period, on the planet Earth. I, rem- I remember and him he saying knows, that, yeah. He knows what he's got in his toys and what we got in our toys, so he's speaking from authority, even though we can't reveal the fine details. And Mr. Trump couldn't talk like this. If his life depended on it, because he'd be vilified and, you know, just made to be look like a blithering idiot and uh, for even suggesting something like this. But I believe maybe he was saying, we're not surrendering anymore. We're getting out of this. And that's why he's such an enemy. That's what the deep state, the, the all the political parties, they all surrender to this. They get money, they get power, they're quislings overall, and they get all the benefit of a quisling, and they believe that this force, this power, whatever controls the earth, is so superior that nothing can challenge it, and uh, that they're the winners. But then sometimes you come along with an individual who just says, I don't think so. And maybe Mr. Trump is one of them, and he's finally just abrogated that. I believe another man who probably did this, too, was John Kennedy. Hmm. He spoke a lot about these things and, uh, you know, met his demise very, very quickly when what were the deep state actors turned on him with a vengeance across party lines and took him out of the picture. But uh, he made very clear and present references to the secret societies, the dangers of the military-industrial complex, and then I've learned in doing more research on UFOs and such like that, that he wanted to share Roswell technology with the Russians. There's another tick mark on why they killed him. And uh, these, these aren't just the odd happenstance. From another book I came across, there's been 74 equivalents of Roswell since 1897. One was even in Canada. And the Americans invaded Canada and seized the crash and the crash site. Canadian investigators showed up there to see what happened, and they were confronted by American soldiers. Oh, up in, up in the Ottawa Valley, yes. And then the, the government told them to back off. I couldn't have imagined we'd end up talking about Roswell and crashed UFOs when we started talking about Google. But this is fascinating. Let me let me just get back to, to Google for a moment and this idea of machine learning fairness. It sounds like... A positive thing, but what is, what is what does that mean exactly? Machine learning fairness. Well, fairness is any idea or concept that they hold dear. So, in the video, when they're searching for men, can well, they can do all the things they can't do. They can have periods. They can have babies, and all this other uh, you know gobbledygook, and uh, that's sort of okay. Uh, they can also get, uh, they can cook and do, you know, things that were stereotypically female roles. But I've a lot of good chefs I've known were all men anyway, good good cooks. They invite you to dinner. You don't say no. Women can. Then they get other things. They can vote. They can do things. They can get drafted. And then they show them taking on a more uh, masculine role. And this is the narrative. In a s- image search, if you just put in you wanted images of CEOs, well, predominantly they're all men, and that's just a fact. But the results have to be skewed to show that there's at best a 50-50 split, so that you're not going to see accurate results. And when you program inaccuracies into a system, what happens when we have a doctor looking for a solution to save a life, and the best social construct is put up instead of the actual solution that he's looking for, or that someone's trying to solve a problem at the nuclear power plant, 
and he's quickly searching for some terms to find a solution to this problem, and he doesn't get the right answers. This is you know, this is something that is very very dangerous, and it just goes beyond the fact that uh, they're pandering a certain political philosophy or something like right. that. Right. Like, so machine learning fairness is about pushing. Let's face it; it's a it's a progressive, radical left wing ideology or a political agenda. So in practical terms, if you're using Google as your search engine and you're trying to find information about some issue, particular issue, rather than the search list including, let's say, conservative viewpoints, conservative opinion makers, they're going to be left out. You're going to be given in your search results, CNN or CBC, their preferred list of news outlets. Correct. So what they called it is product intervention, to establish a single definition of the truth. Now, if that isn't Orwellian, I don't know what is. So Big Brother can say 2 plus 2 equals 5. That's the answer. That's going to be put out there, and everyone that uses that service is going to have to uh, depend on that. But a lot of people don't realize that the deck is marked and that the dealer's crooked. So one of the other quotes that came out of this video as well is, people like us are programmed interesting yes we're programmed well we know that you know like they they do their best right to poke us and lead us in a certain direction and such like this but with this because it's being done by artificial intelligence and it's being personally inserted into our devices and things that we think are you know part of our homes or maybe elon musk would go so far today as part of our our uh, our bodies that, uh, you know, we take heed to a lot of these things and uh, we just ingest it like it's a poison. And uh, it has poisonous effects because it's changing our behavior, uh, changing the way we relate to people. And I always wanted to be, you know, arguing minority debates all the time. So it didn't matter what came along. I'd always want to argue for the minority cause just as practice, but because the majority might be wrong and the minority might be right. So I've always done that. But now it's if I pick, because uh, they're getting beat up, a conservative cause, and I want to debate and argue for them, then, you know, you're vilified, brutalized, and marginalized because you're picking another side of the debate that isn't the majority at this time. Well, 20 years ago, I'd be arguing for some of the things on the other side that might be on the left because there was more of a right majority. And uh, that's just trying to help even the score and keep our civilizations in balance. And that's not a bad thing. A wholesome debate on all kinds of contentious issues will lead us to the truth, but if Google is the truth or their ideas are the truth, then there is no truth. Okay, so then, then it comes down to this. And we've known about the algorithms for some time, as you say, but now, as I say, things things are starting to come to a head. You know, a while ago, we had the deplatforming of people like uh, Paul Joseph Watson, Prager University videos being demonetized. Recently, someone at Google referred to Dennis Prager, a Jew from New York, Ben Shapiro, a conservative Jew who is a target of the alt-right, and even Dave Rubin, the host of the Rubin Report, a very popular YouTube series, who happens to be gay and liberal, they refer to them as Nazis. I mean, these are two conservative Jews, both of whom lost people in the Holocaust, and Google is referring to them as Nazis. So yes. it's not just the algorithms, it's deplatforming, it's vilifying, and it's all coming to a head now. It's, it's all out in the open, and they are being dragged before a congressional hearing, and I, I'm enjoying it. I'd prefer they were dragged to Guantanamo and put in a stress position for a while. And uh, this has been part and parcel uh, you know, to wage economic warfare 
on people with other opinions to try to crush them. So, you know, you just shut up and sit at the back of the bus. But uh, this name-calling stuff, like that goes back a long, long way. It goes back to the Lenin School of Political Warfare. That's what you were taught when you're in a difficult situation, is you hang a dirty label on someone right outside of all the facts of the debate so that you attach them with an evil idea or concept so that that makes them look dirty in other people's minds that aren't going to take the time uh, necessary to do the adequate research to find out that, uh, yeah, maybe somebody Shapiro has uh, some connections with the Holocaust and really isn't a Nazi. And uh, But people are usually quick to just reflex act on some facts or information without checking it out. And especially if it's from a source that they have been conditioned, I wouldn't say learn to trust, but conditioned to trust. And Google's been like that. It's been, you know, the friendly, happy, happy, geeky type of company that, uh, you know, they play games and uh, have fun with you and all that sort of thing. But behind the veil, behind the curtain, there's that fist of iron just ready to let you have it in the chops if you peek too deeply into what they have uh, at mind. And to me, the most sacred thing that we have as free countries is the right to pick our leaders. As corrupt, crooked, and twisted as they may be, uh, that's our that's our pick. Well, here's the, the ironic thing is that, that the United States has been paralyzed for the last two and a half years. It's finally over, we think, but paralyzed over this whole Russian collusion thing, and they're they're investigating. Did Russia interfere with the election? Well, they they sold, they bought something like fifteen thousand dollars in Facebook ads, but that is nothing compared to what Google is doing. It turns out the collusion all along was not Russia, it was Google. They're the ones trying to overthrow a duly elected president or at least prevent it from happening again. And they lost. But I do believe there was a facet of Russian collusion. And it's, uh, it, belo- it belongs to the intelligence agencies and the cheaters. And uh, so they can never tell you what really happened. But elections have been bought, especially in the swing states, for a long time because people like George Soros bought the voting machines and the companies that own them. And the security on them is like a couple of steps below a bank machine. It's not dual custody even. So anyone can jig the results on these machines. And people have gone to the polls over and over and over again. I used to joke about it in the Bush era. doesn't matter what button you push, you voted for Bush. And uh, that was a fact to many people. Or you'd vote five or six times before it worked the way you wanted it to. But they probably still counted the other votes. And, uh, or in other small places where more people voted than live or are on the polls to vote. And uh, this is quite common as well. So what I believe Russia did is they unhacked the hack in some swing states. And specifically, it was Ohio, I believe, in the last election. There were, the newscasters were looking for this victory at a certain polls, and they weren't there. And they got all nervous and fidgety, and they started looking in this county and this county, and they know it's there because we, we rigged it. It was supposed to win. But there's no winner. It's the other guy. The Republicans are winning. And they were just tearing their hair out because they couldn't find out where it happened. And I think if there was any subterfuge on behalf of the Russians, is they unhacked the hack, and then the vote of the people was counted and meant something. Right. And okay. we won. But and Clinton can't go to the to the press and say, that dirty, rotten Putin, he unhacked my hack. He caught us cheating. Right. <laughs> he caught us cheating. More of my conversation with George Freund on Google election tampering when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. 
Oh joy, the joy of a healthy digestive system that is. GI Joy from GetTheTea.com. Now, I take two capsules a day of this unique proprietary blend of colostrum. Colostrum is rich in immunoglobulins or antibodies that are known to stimulate the immune system. But GI Joy also is chock full of acidophilus, aloe, peppermint, and turmeric. And all I can say is, I have a very happy tummy. Yes, GetTheTea.com has great non-GMO, caffeine-free herbal teas. I've been talking about them for months. But there's so much more at GetTheTea.com, including GI Joy. Use the code UNLIMITED on your first order, and they'll pay for the shipping. GI Joy, for a healthy digestive system and a happy tummy. Not available in any stores. Get yours at GetTheTea.com. through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. George Freund from The Power Hour is here discussing Google bias and censorship and even election tampering. Another interesting piece of testimony was Google CEO Sundar Pichai who was being grilled by U.S. Congressman Mark Meadows about information from a leaked document in which a Google employee is bragging about how they, Google, helped to get out the Latino vote in certain key states. Certain key states meaning those states leaning Democrat. And someone might well argue, what's wrong with that? They're a private company. They can support whatever candidate they want. So the big picture question here is, is Google a private company, a publisher, or are they a utility, part of the public square? Well, what the Communications Decency Act says is you're a platform or a publisher. And they're a pu saying they're a platform, that they allow all sorts of things, and other people post things and put things on there that are the publishers. But if they're picking and choosing what's put there, well, then they become technically the publisher, and they're not a platform anymore. And that takes away their, their uh, protection under the Communications Decency Act, Section 230. And uh, I just look at it as dirty pool. You know, if, if my kids were coming home saying, you know, we're cheating on our exams or we're, you know, we're cheating people out of things, telling to tell someone something's valuable uh, when it's not or vice versa to take advantage of them, even in jest, I'd look at that as that's not the way you should be behaving. And uh, when you get to very, very important things like the running of the country and deciding who's who, if I had to carry a box of votes for Hillary Clinton, even though I know all the things I know about her and despise her as a political candidate, if that's what the will of the people was and I had to carry that box to the place where they're counted and count them and then strike her up as the next president because that's what the vote said, I'd have to do that because... I believe I have to be honorable over despicable. And uh, that's just the way the system works. And if I don't like it, and I want to see it change four years from now, you get another kick at the can. And right. you've got to practice your oratory, do your research better, and try to get people informed and out there to a better degree than just cheating. And Because uh, I, I, if everybody's cheating, 
then what's the sense? We're in anarchy, complete and total anarchy, and our governments have no authority over us because they're probably not legitimate. So what is going to happen now? Would you support the breaking up of Google and Twitter much the same way that President Roosevelt broke up Standard Oil? If it's necessary, it's necessary. I think purposely trying to rig the election, if it's not an offense somewhere in the United States, it should be. But uh, I would imagine if you go through those mounds and mounds and mounds of laws, you could probably find that laws are being broken here. And these people should be called to task for that. Project Veritas made that very, very clear. There should be a, you know, a very long-term investigation by law enforcement to look into this and find out what's really been going on and take action where, where necessary, because this is just despicable, absolutely despicable that, uh, you know, that, we, that we're not the, uh, you know, this developing state somewhere where we're supposed to have, like, Crime Lord A and Crime Lord B vying for public office. But I guess we were, and it's just maybe they wore nicer clothes and were more polite when the cameras were rolling. And sometimes in the past I looked at uh, a lot of the political decisions as being, you know, you got the Chicago mob against the Arkansas mob, against the Texas mob, and then Trump came along. <laughs> hmm. New sheriff in town. New sheriff in town. All right. Well, we will uh, continue to watch these hearings with interest, and we'll see, because now Twitter is threatening that they're going to censor some of President Trump's tweets. So maybe that'll be what finally spurs the president into action. We will see. In the meantime, George, how do people hear you on the Power Hour? Well, you can go to their website, and they have all the listening options open, which are multiple places. You just go to Power Hour Nation, search that, and uh, I post them on my own website on the podcast page with links about things I'm talking about so people can look at things with their you know, hot little hands and eyes to say, okay, I said this, but here's the documentation to back it up, and that's conspiracy-cafe.com. And uh, because I'd like you to be able to go over things and look at things and analyze things. We had a roaring, roaring show today because we talked about James Fetzer and uh, his censorship issues. And, uh, you know, my guest Jack Mullen and I did, uh, you know, quite a lot to talk about the concept of free speech and uh, the pressure that's being uh, put on and off camera or off air. I had a, some long talks with the owner of the station as well. And, uh, and just to make him feel comfortable that, uh, you know, we're not taking him to... Uh, a necktie party or anything like that but these are very important things that have to be discussed have to be brought out in the open and power our nation is very very good at uh, you know allowing free speech and getting information out there so that uh, we can rock the boat a little bit because basically we're looking for the truth and if I dig through the truth and I find out that Hillary Clinton was the aggrieved party in all this and she really is the shining star and saint well, I will change my opinion and kiss her hand, but I doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> All right, George, again, the website, conspiracy-cafe.com, and uh, just Google the Power Hour, and there's so many ways to listen. Thank you, as always, George. All the best. Thank you. God Good bless. Day. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs... I'll be back with a few words on the next episode of Conspiracy Unlimited. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the Star Chamber, 
$20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up next time, the great-great-grandson of one of America's most famous outlaws discusses the secret diaries, coded maps, and lost Templar treasure of Jesse James. When he died, half his children didn't go to the funeral. They stayed home and dug up the yard looking for his gold. His son, Byron, drew out the map from the original map, and the map that Byron drew is the one we have. Now, in his diary, there's a lot of symbols. He's written, you know, there's like hearts and an eagle with a heart and things like that. But, and he's also got a lot of codes in it, and that's Jesse's original writing. But the, the map is, is a reproduction made by his son shortly after he died. How many caches of Confederate gold do you think there are throughout America? I think possibly hundreds. They're ranging in different sizes. There's some that may just be, a, you know, like an old mason jar full of coins, whereas others I know are very large and would take heavy equipment to, to extract it and to move it. It's, you know, a lot of gold. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 